My friends, just for our discussion's sake, let's assume everyone here knows a dysfunctional family. I know none of you are dysfunctional families, but let's assume everyone knows uh, at least one dysfunctional family. Maybe you've seen them on television. So now assuming this, is there any doubt the church is led by the Holy Spirit? Is there any doubt that she, the church, has a plan, a spiritual purpose in the timing of her liturgical calendar? For knowing that these dysfunctional families, please God, all families got to spend some time together on Christmas, that there might be, well, let's just say some dysfunction going on in some of these relationships. And the church, with her perfect timing, comes together to celebrate the feast of the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. The perfect family, a shining example of what all families ought to try to imitate. It makes perfect sense that right after we celebrate God made man, the coming of God through the Holy Spirit in the person, the divine person of Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem within a particular Jewish family consisting of Mary and Joseph, after celebrating the coming of our Savior at Christmas, that we would then turn, it's perfect, turn to celebrate that which our Lord Jesus Christ first came to sanctify with his presence, the family, the home. And we can learn much about family life from Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, can't we? For they were truly a community of love. Jesus sanctified his family. He made it holy. He did this for Mary in advance. So too with us. Our families are means by which we are made holy. And the Heavenly Father picked every single member of your family specifically to help get each of us to heaven, to make us saints. We, too, are to be instruments of grace to all of our family members so that they, too, can become who they were made to be, saints. Husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, grandparents, this is our vocation to become a saint, to help our family members become saints. And the Holy Family is a model for all of us to follow. You know, Pope St. Paul VI had it right. He called, uh, he said the home, their home was a school of Nazareth. And he said there is much that we can learn from it. First, he tells us that we can learn from its silence. You know, I know what some of you are probably thinking. It would take an extraordinary grace to have any silence, perhaps, in your home. But stay with me. We must try to model the school of Nazareth, the home of the Holy Family, and to try to bring some silence into it each day, to make our homes places of prayer. Perhaps as we're planning for a new calendar year, right, we're making our New Year's resolutions, we can make an effort to spend just a little bit of time each day in the silence and to do it as a family setting aside the television, setting aside the computer, those fancy phones, right? And as a family, enter into 
of silence for a few minutes each day, to use this silence, this precious time each day, to, to talk to the God of love and mercy, an intimate conversation, or to simply rest with the Lord, to rest with him as beloved sons or daughters of the Heavenly Father. We can all do this, even little kids in age-appropriate ways. Secondly, Pope St. Paul VI said that we can learn much about work and discipline, and the discipline it entails from the Holy Family. This is, after all, where Jesus learned about work and discipline. The Holy Family reminds us that work has its own dignity. I know it's a four-letter word, but it is a, a source of great dignity. But that is not an end in of itself. Its value comes from its purpose. Its purpose uh, is to provide for the necessities of the family and to uh, help us grow in virtue. And everyone ought to be working. The kids ought to have their chores, right? Sorry, kids. And whether it's paid or unpaid, it is a source of growth for us in regards to helping us grow in virtue as we provide for the necessities of the family. Perhaps again, as we're making our New Year's resolutions, we can be more resolved this year to recognize the proper place of work and to put it within its proper context as a means to grow in virtue, as a means to provide for us and our family's needs. But it is not an end in and of itself. The end of work is heaven. The end of work is sanctity and becoming a saint. Finally, Pope St. Paul VI says that we can learn much about family life from Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. They were a community of love and sharing. And he says the family is a privileged setting where every person learns to give and receive love, a school that enables men and women to grow to the full measure of their humanity. My friends, we know this, right? The family is a source of tremendous grace. I hope you all have good, tight bonds in your family units. But it can also, we know, be a source of great pain. It can be a source of deep core wounds because the evil one has been attacking the family from the very beginning. He attacked the first family, Adam and Eve, and he continues his onslaught attack in the family. There are so many broken families, fathers and mothers abdicating their responsibilities, kids not honoring, not respecting their parents. No doubt family life can be difficult at times. And so we need to double our efforts in recognition that some families are not perfect. We need to run to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. We need to lean upon the Holy Family. We need to ask for the grace to make our families holy too, to seek the grace of the Christ child for forgiveness, to seek the grace of the Christ child for healing, to ask Mary and Joseph, powerful intercessors, for the grace to model our families, our family life, after their holy family. And we turn to the Lord in recognition that we cannot do this without him. 
We cannot have the peace we desire for our families without the divine life living within us. We cannot do this without grace. And Abraham, our father of faith, is a perfect example. It seems in year B, we're given the option, right, to go through three of the readings had, had to do with his story. It uh, seems perhaps an odd sort of selection compared to what we get in years A and B, which speak more directly of the family unit. But Abraham shows us, our God shows us through Abraham, that God is intimately involved in each conception. He's intimately involved in leading the family. And you know, and I can't help but think of Abraham, uh, I think of uh, when I used to go out to uh, visit my geothermal plants out in California. Two uh, were out in the desert, very remote area. Three were in a uh, beautiful mountain setting. And I can't help but think of Abraham in this scene in the first reading where he enters into the covenant, that kinship bond uh, with the Lord, that permanent bond of faith. The Lord calls him out of the tent. Abraham's having a little crisis of faith, it seems, and you know he had uh, having a little problems, uh, struggling a bit, trusting in God's plan. He had promised him that he would be the heir of a uh, that he would have an heir, and he would be the father of this great nation, and he's not seen its fruit yet. So the Lord in the desert calls him out of the tent and said, I invite you to look up into the sky and just imagine, if you will, the uh, number of stars up there is the number of, uh, that your inheritance will be. You know, every time I went to visit my power plants, I would love to go just take walks late at night. When you're away from the city lights, the light pollution, if you will, you can see literally millions and millions of stars. And I can imagine Abraham coming out of his tent and seeing and being able to make that act of faith because he could see a visible sign of what God had intended for him. But you know what? That's not what's going on here in the first reading, is it? We don't get the whole reading. It gets chopped off uh, and skipped a number of verses, including verse 12, which says, the sun set and it was dark. In other words, the Lord called Abraham out of the tent in the middle of the day when the sun was shining brightly overhead. And when he was asked to look up into the sky, and to see uh, how many his descendants would be by counting the stars, he could see only one. He could see the sun. He was called to keep his eye always on the S-O-N, to make that great act of faith, trusting God's plan for him and his future family. You know, he is our father of faith. He is a beautiful example for all of us. This is important. The world is counting on us, literally, because as Pope St. John Paul II says, the salvation of the world passes by way of the family. You know, Abraham was simply a father. He was not a prophet. He was not even a priest. He was just a good and holy father and husband. Faith in Jesus Christ and his plan then must be our firm foundation for all of our families, that they are built upon our faith. We must seek the Lord in the sacraments and in deep prayer. 
For as Dr. John Bergsma says, truly the drama of human history plays out mostly in the quiet intensity of daily life, especially within the family. This should motivate us, he says, to recommit ourselves to seeking holiness in the little mundane details of daily living. Because so often it is from those small acts of faith in pursuit of holiness that great acts of salvation are conceived and grow. So true, my friends. We are all uh, called, I think, to recommit ourselves as men, women, and children of deep, generous faith, deep, generous prayer as individuals, of course, but also as families. So as we're making our New Year's resolutions, perhaps we can be more committed, of course, to Sunday Mass, but perhaps this year we will add a daily Mass to our weekly routines. Of course, we bless the food before meals, and we do this by making a sign of the cross even in public. Perhaps we can add the after-meal prayer this year. And to do a daily rosary, it was a life-changing moment in my life when I committed myself, thanks to Father Fasano, uh, to doing a daily rosary. But this year, perhaps we'll pray with a little more uh, meditation on the actual mysteries that uh, draw us ever closer to the heart of Christ. We can come to Wednesday Adoration, perhaps, or on the way to or from work, swing by another church uh, to pray before our Eucharistic Lord. We can pray when we begin our day, and we can pray when we end our day. We can all do this. But I think we can all uh, pray within and start to try to establish deeper roots within this family this family of a parish church, St. Thomas a Beckett in Reston. So I uh, encourage you as part of your uh, plan of life for this new coming year to make an effort to get even more involved in your parish family. Parents, we've been calling out in the bulletin these last several weeks to uh, volunteer. We're just trying to get a couple events scheduled for our little people, for our youth, so we can get a youth ministry program off the ground here. Sign up, just send me an email and we'll get some things scheduled. The seniors, we have uh, uh, regular activities for y'all. It's going awesome. For the women, we have Walking With Purpose. The guys, we have Brothers uh, Beckett and the Knights of Columbus, of course. We are launching our young adult ministry on Saturday with a barbecue. There is a lot going on, a lot, many ways for each of us to come together as a parish family and feed ourselves, feed our families with the truth, beauty, and goodness of our faith. My friends, have a very blessed and a very safe uh, New Year celebration. And this new year, may it be uh, truly overflowing with God's goodness, his grace uh, for you. May uh, this year bring, bring you and your families the joy that the Lord desires for each of you. And may God be praised. Amen.